Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk AM 11:30. Welcome back, Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsadar. See, this is what I'm saying. Y'all got to get hit. If y'all stick with me, I'm going to keep y'all in line. This is this is classic R&B. This is Frankie Beverly and Mays. We are one. And it's so poignant. All right? At this time, right now. Oh, there you go. See, Miss Edwards, she feels me. She knows Frankie Beverly and Mays. Right, Miss Edwards? Well, of course. Exactly. I'm on the exactly. I mean, come on. So... <laughs> I gotta hit. I gotta hit my producer and my co-host to all this type of this genre of music. And I'm only 39, Miss Edwards. Wow. Well, that means you had good parents. That's right. Amen. See, mom and dad, y'all listening. <laughs> they listening too, Miss Edwards. So, Miss Edwards, um, the one thing about it is what I what I always loved about like you and folk, uh, and other women like Aunt Maxine. Um, is how powerful you guys are. How you speak truth to power. How you. Uh, it was about. Your constituency always about that, and that's what I love and respect. And for me, I have no shame that I'm a total feminist, and I've been that way since I was a kid. And I, before I even knew it, because of who my mother is, you know, um, and how strong she was. My mother was all just a a union steward, but I, mm-hmm. I thought my mom was the vice president of the United States because she had that voice for other <laughs> women like you do. Um, I love that. I love that. I mean, I have a, my son is uh, about to turn 29, and he is like one of the most powerful feminists I know. And I just am so grateful because I do believe that we are growing a generation of young men who value women. Yes, ma'am. And the rest of us need to just get out of the way and let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. And I and, and it was funny because a couple of weeks ago. You, uh, you, you, and I inboxing each other. You told me how you were praying for the Twin Cities after the uh, yeah. Castillo verdict came in, um, and so I know that uh, Black political engagement is important to you. You know, I always remind people we- on a weekly basis, especially a couple of weeks ago. Here, I was saying, folk telling audience how um, two people that maybe fall in love with politics. Well, number one was my mother. But I, it was Reverend Jesse Jackson and Bill Clinton for me that made me fall in love with politics, I swear to goodness. And uh, I've been so actively involved. I mean, they, I ran for uh, student council. Student con- that wasn't enough for me, Ms. Edwards. I had to be student council president, okay? I like that. <laughs> so I ran for student council president. But it, it, was, it was people like that um, that pushed me into politics. And the thing about it is I don't think that there's enough – Minority. There's not enough black and brown people in politics. And the problem I'd be having with uh, the Republican Party is, I think, and I think a lot of blacks 
have the problem with is they use a lot of us sometimes as tokens, okay? Um, and they don't push their black and brown candidates forward or until September, October of uh, election year. Well, and I actually want to challenge our Democratic Party, frankly. And look, I'm a strong and solid uh, Democrat. Yes, ma'am. I think sometimes the Democratic Party can also be guilty of the same thing. Yes, ma'am. They need our votes clearly in so many um, congressional districts around the country, whether it's, you know, one or two percent black population like it is in places like, um, you know, like Nebraska and some other places or whether it's, you know, 40 and 50 percent, um, those votes are really important because we vote in such high numbers for Democrats. And so mm-hmm. we have to start demanding that Democrats not take our votes for granted. And that means that, you know, you might be elected, but it doesn't mean that you can't be accountable. And we have to start holding um, our Democratic Party to account as well. I can't control what Republicans can do. But I can have an impact on what Democrats do. You're absolutely right. Miss Edwards, can we take a phone call? Yep. Okay, Dave, let's take a phone call from Dave. Dave, you're on with Mrs. Donna Edwards. How are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. How you doing, Jamar? Good, good, good. Dave, what's going down? Hey, nothing much. I was just, uh, I liked how you chimed in. And, you know, I know you personally, so you're right on the money when you said you're a feminist all the way. You've been that way since I've known you in elementary school. <laughs> He is not lying when he says he was the student council president, vice president. He's always been in it. But um, I'm, I'm just calling because this this country, this country, uh, as far as women, I mean, my personal opinion is there's no way Donald Trump should have been elected. No way. No way. It's just my personal opinion. This this country. And 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 I'm I'm guilty, but if I if I was the vote, I would I would have voted for Hillary. I'm just gonna just gonna say it just because politics. He he has none of that. But he this country doesn't want does didn't want a woman to run this country, and and that's what I firmly believe, and that's why Hillary didn't get in there, and 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 that's just what I believe, and it, and it shows, you know. Um, I'll, I'll let you uh, um, go off of that. It was nice. Uh, meeting uh, Miss Edwards. Thanks for the phone call, Dave. You know, I, I have to tell you, I, I mean, I ran for the United States Senate in Maryland. Um, and Maryland is a, you know, relatively solid Democratic state, even though we have a fluke as a Republican governor in our mm-hmm. state. But um, when I ran for the Senate to replace a woman, the first woman elected on her own in the Senate, I could see and feel the sort of backlash against um, my candidacy uh, in a Democratic primary around issues that were unstated, mm-hmm. um, both, that I think that have both to do with race and with gender. And I could see the same thing play out in the um, general election um, for Hillary Clinton. And I mean, who can explain the fact that 94% of black women voted for Hillary Clinton, but Fewer than 50% of white women voted for Hillary Clinton. Right. And um, and I think that there has to be some organizing, frankly, around white women who define themselves as feminists, but who choose the guy every time. Uh, I think there has to be some accountability around race, around the fact that, you know, we have now one uh, black woman in the United States Senate, Kamala Harris. 
That's shame. Um, and I think what two men, one Republican and one one Democrat, and in a country that is increasingly black and brown, in state after state and in this country, that that has to change. And in some ways, I think some of the backlash that is happening that carried through the Obama presidency, but certainly um, in the 2016 election, has to do with the very fact that this country is increasingly black and brown. Yes, ma'am. Miss Edwards, um, thank you so much for being on. Um, one thing that, you know, I really followed the 2016 election very closely. Um, I was covering it for the paper that I work for. Um, and one thing that I kind of noticed is that People were kind of just fed up with the whole political process in general. I think, you know, from the people that I spoke with, um, were very um, just anti-Republican and anti-Democrat. They were tired of the stereotypical politician um, that was coming year after year, election cycle after election cycle, and feeding them um, a bill of goods that, at the end of the day, these uh, constituents didn't feel were delivered to them. Um, and I did an article um, after the election really analyzing um, the voter totals and noticed that on the side of the Democrats um, for presidential elections only, Democrats seem to lose in every uh, demographic. Um, yeah. And can you maybe tell me a little bit, you know, just from your point of view as a uh, former um, representative, you know, why you think this was or, you know, why you um, think the country did end up going the way it did? Well, I think that's such a powerful observation. Um, after the uh, election was over, starting in January, I got in an RV and I drove across the country mm. around every byway and community and small town uh, across the United States. And I actually didn't really drive on the interstates. I stayed mostly on state and local roads. I stopped at diners and in RV parks and talked to really, you know, so many people all across this country. And, you know, I saw that dissatisfaction and I saw the kind of like pox on all their houses. And so I really look at this as an opportunity, frankly, for, uh, for Democrats, because in so many ways, um, obviously, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. That is not in dispute, except no. in the White House. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, but when you look at numbers in state after state, our numbers are going down. People yes. are making a choice that they'd rather sit home mm. than vote in their interest. And in that respect, I think it's incumbent on Democrats to have a message about Bingo. Not just a message, but action about how we're going to make a difference in people's lives. You know, how we're going to create jobs and opportunity that can't be transported um, someplace else. How we're going to enable people to function in a global economy, yes. recognizing that it's a global economy. Um, you know, what are we going to do about things like mass incarceration where, you know, we have so many people who are imprisoned. I think we imprison something like 25% of the world. Um, um, in prison, uh, incarcerated population comes from the United States, and we only have like 5% of the population. And we have to address those issues because, you know, people coming out of incarceration need to have the opportunity for a job and for education. Our education system, 
really have to work for students, who continue to graduate young people who don't have the capacity to compete in the economy. And I think when, I mean, what I was hearing from people around the country um, in my 12,000-mile journey was that they were frustrated with Republicans and Democrats and Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump just seemed like something different. Yeah. Yes, man. So, Ms. Edwards, we got a few minutes. Let's talk about mass incarceration when we come back on the other side of the break, because I know that that's near and dear yeah. to your heart, too. So when we come back, let's let's uh, hit on that and a few more things about Trump and his economy. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Enemy for black people. So let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back on Black Republican, Black Democrat, Twin Cities News Talk, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. You're listening to the best of Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsadar. And we have an exciting guest here, Master Ray of Black Guns Matter. And before the break, we were teasing you guys, um... Because, again, these are some poignant uh, conversations that we need to have, man. And exactly. uh, uh, we need to sit down and have honest dialogue about uh, the realities that black and brown face when it mm-hmm. comes to guns. I mean, we talk about black and black crime. You know I talk about black on black crime. Yeah. But I think we do got to talk about um, some of the things that are in the middle. You know, I, I like to believe you can you start in the middle out, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to make things the way things should be evolving. So I think that um, when when you hear black folks say, we're not getting the guns in here, that's true. That's not a myth. Black folks aren't importing the guns in here. When I hear, some, when I hear a lot of conservatives think that we aren't, uh, that, that gangs aren't smart enough to have, to get, uh, what do they call them, uh, silencers or things, what are they, whatever the professional word they call them. Silencers. Silencers. Actually, the guy that created those actually named them silencers. They've been called suppressors, so it's actually back. It is suppressors, yeah. yeah. But silencers actually is the technical term. Yeah, and that's what I've been known since I was a kid. That's right. what we always <laughs> call a silencer. Right. And so when I heard that um, gangs can't get them, I was like, then, and I said that, to, I told Priya that. And I, that baffles me because, I mean, when you think about you know, everything that's ever happened in this country. I mean, you look at Prohibition in the 30s. They said, oh, well, liquor's banned. Well, look what happened. Even more liquor was bootlegged mm-hmm. by the mob. I mean, you still have organized crimes in the mob, you know, in mafia, you know, running amok still today in this country, even though a lot of the stuff that they do is illegal. So, I mean, for anyone to sit there and say, oh, well, they can't get this or they can't do that, they people have to remember that, we are in the age of technology, and mm-hmm. the internet that we do see, I think, makes up only, like, it's less than 10% is the definitive uh, number I can give. Um, less than 10% of what you see is what, or of the internet that we see is 
what makes up the rest of it is the dark web, and that's where everything really happens. And the and the bottom line is that uh, when you what when you think that gang members don't have, I, I, as I told Priya, me being a former member myself, mm-hmm. I don't have a felon. There were non-felons that could go buy guns or get guns, especially now. If you want to be able to purchase, fine. I could purchase a bunch of them at the gun shows and however you want me to do it and give them to my homeboys. Right. So we got to quit that. I mean, you look at the San Bernardino shooter. I mean, he didn't directly purchase guns. He got a friend to go and purchase those vehicles. And multiple Um, weapons at that. When you look at at the differences of our white counterparts versus us— that when it, when it comes to gun, gun crimes, everyone wants to blame Bill Clinton the, for the, the three-strike laws, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, I think they don't, that's not dealing with reality because if you lived in, if you lived in here in Minnesota, Washington, uh, Chicago, uh, uh, Baltimore, when gun crime was exploding, you wanted something to be done. But here's the other thing. We, when you know that laws are, uh, are an, uh, enacted to affect you, then you've got to do better. You've got to educate yourself. Right. That's why I give all props to what you're doing, because there's not enough of us that know that we can arm, become armed. Right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, not we just that like how to act if you get pulled over. Exactly, and, and that's are. what we're finna get into too. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> what I'm saying is, you, you when 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 faced with things like that. Because we are, we, we're too busy trying to conceal our weapons because we think a black man can have it. Oh, I used to be a felon. Right. Well, we know a felon, so that's a dumb, because a felon can't have it. But I'm thinking when, when you think about someone that's a non-offender right. can legally possess a weapon. You, what you're talking about, again, is breaking the stigma. And you do that by, it, it, first, it is normalized. First, got to have an understanding of history, like we were saying on the other show. There's a long and storied history of people of color with firearms in America. All, first of all, you got to accept the fact that all gun control is racist in its origin, period. Just like all marijuana prohibition laws are racist. Somebody said, I think that marijuana makes white women want to sleep with Negro jazz musicians mm. and then started policies. That's how that's the origin of that. And uh, gun control, you know, it was pre NFA National Firearms Act. Uh, emancipation happened. Black people fought for their liberation. It wasn't just given to us. And we know the history of America. It, then it was like, OK, we got to kind of like have rules, separate rules for this group of people. Now it's just spread. And now all American citizens are affected by it. So that's the first thing. The other thing to that is when you have a space where you're you're showing people and uh, this is where it gets more nefarious because it's psychological warfare. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm convincing groups of people on both sides, every racial background, that these darker populations, when they're associated with firearms, it's negative. It's negative. They're that, dangerous. That, that you're dangerous. That is the that's the part that is harder to to prove, but you can. It's a system, you know. So by psychologically tri- triggering even a law enforcement officer, they're a victim of that same conditioning. But how can that's what your your, your organization is about? First of all, did you found the organization? Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What led you to find um, to create this organization, and what really led you to um, move forward and pursue this? Too many of my friends getting their heads blown off mm-hmm. by who? Each uh, other, the police, both white offenders, both right. all three. It's right. a trifecta. Word. I mean, sometimes in, in, in some of those people it wasn't necessarily my homies, but it's like, wow, I know somebody that is in that exact same situation. And I don't think that uh, um, um, white folks. 
pay attention to that enough, Maj, that mm. you and I have seen that, man. Right. Even if we don't know someone, we know someone that knows someone that's right. been affected mm-hmm. by gun violence. Right. And here's the thing, especially me being from Texas, I know, I, my dad can tell you, I know I've lost family members for walking on the wrong lawn. Right. And and, and that's not what today's show is about. We're not here to be the white folks. I'm just, we're just talking about reality. The, the, what you're talking about is a cultural difference that ha- deliberately was steeped in ignorance. And the people that may have never experienced that think that that's just the nature of this environment. But it's not. What we're saying is there is an active, consistent agenda to make sure that you even as white america as spanish america as indian america are think that these are things that oh well they're over there in the hood so that's just what they want and that's not the case we're saying that somebody's been lying to you too right somebody's been telling you you i'm saying it's it's a real it's a real good case of the tower of babel just having people around but never really communicating with each other because if i'm on the top i need y'all to just stumble into each other and keep buying stuff but not really build your own thing you know so that's really the, the thing there um i also think that when when we when we look at these concepts, when you look at it from a, a very small perspective, I mean, like go further and further in, you start to look at the basis of this is ignorance, mm. whether that's manipulated and initiated onto groups of people or if, if it's after a certain point becomes self-perpetuating. Right. Because if you keep eating the poison, well, you are eating it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you got a smartphone, but you're doing dumb stuff with it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So at a certain point, it becomes Weird. now we can back off and let you perpetuate that thing. So then we can then say, see, we left you to your own vices. So it has the, the breakdown of it has to be very holistic and tying it into the Second Amendment and human rights for every group of people to defend themselves is how we combat that. You know what I mean? And, but it's definitely a holistic approach to looking at, you know, this didn't this didn't happen like in two weeks. Yeah. Like, you know, what I mean, from just one thing. Well, we're no, just going to no. take this one thing away. And for two weeks, everything will change this way. This has been happening for some time and it's in a slow erosion of the Constitution. Yeah, you quickly, briefly mentioned um, earlier uh, that um, this has even triggered cops psychologically to the point where they're afraid of approaching, you know, mm-hmm. African Americans, especially if they have guns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to the Philando Castile shooting. Um, I e Philando Castile. Right. Yes, and that is only just you know one of many, many. instances instances right. where you know bad things have happened. Um, I watched the um, dash cam footage mm-hmm. um, that the BCA released uh, last earlier this week, I should say. Right. Um, and you could tell that he was nervous yep. and that he was scared. And as soon as the seventh shot rang out, he realized that he killed him. Right. Uh, you know what? But he, and that he freaked out. I yep. mean, you could literally hear him, his voice cracking. He, here's my here's here's what I heard. I didn't hear. I didn't see a man freaked out or anything. I I heard a man um, prior to pulling him over saying that he thought this was an armed robber suspect. Mm-hmm. But I also well, think that that but wait that a minute. that's an important issue is that he thought this man had committed if he, a crime. If, he, if, he, if you if, thought he was an armed you robber, you would have handled that differently. Exactly. I think this dude is an not a robber, an armed robber. I'm not even so I'm walking up to the, the car. car. Yep. No, I'm gonna stand behind the car. This ain't TV, but like they do on TV, I'm gonna stand behind the car door, ask that driver to get out of the car, him and his passenger. Right. But when you approach the vehicle, and look how he approached him, never approach with his yep. hand on his pistol. Approach yep. like he like a traffic stop. Agreed. Okay. Now, what I think where Philando went wrong at is doing what being law abiding. 
telling, informing the officer mm-hmm. that he had a weapon. Maj talks about this. Okay, yeah. and that's what I want to talk about on the other side of the break too. Yeah. That's where the brother went wrong at, and I, it, 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 it. It chaps my high when I see cons- when I hear conservatives say the only thing that they say that well he wasn't law abiding because he was under the influence. Well, I think conservatives and I'll just say this real quick is that Man. conservatives agree that he didn't have to tell the officer and he probably it's, shouldn't. You're not Minnesota, legally required. Minnesota is not a duty to notify state. It at is all. not. He was going, in my opinion, he was going. He was being. Extra nice above and, yeah. above and beyond, and, right? And it's, it's no threat, like you said. First of all, you got to look at all. You also got to look at the other officer. The officer, the other officer, didn't walk up to the car yes. with that. Y'all in the car together. Y'all got that call together. Yeah. So why isn't he nervous? Why? Why didn't he? I didn't. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't even see the other officer enter the frame of the video for a while. He because well, I, for whatever reason, he didn't. I think that, in my opinion. And some of my law enforcement friends might get mad at me for this, but I, my, my highest uh, you know, alignment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the truth. The reality is he said what he had to say to not go to jail. He had to and and that there's those key words. Um, I'm in fear of, of my, life. my life. And that always gets every officer off. And that part is where I have a, a, a strong inclination for towards that being more of a tyrannical position. Because if you reverse that. Um, based on our history in America as black men in relation to firearms with law enforcement, right? And if I see an officer walking up to my car, I'm in fear of my life. So exactly. if I got my thing on me and if I jump out and shoot the officer and then go to court and say, well, I had fear of my life. You he walked up, I'm going to jail. Going and to jail. I, I think that bigger than anything, to me, whether this was race-based or not, I do think there was some bias and some fear in there. No doubt. But bigger than race is, is the fact that this person, you did something that cost someone their life. Mm. And that, as a as a, as a a officer, of, you know, supposed to serve, not even protect, but serve the people, mm-hmm. you, you are held to a standard. You should be held to a standard no lower than any average citizen would be. Yep. And that's where I have the disagreement with that. And, you know, I, I, we definitely can get into that. We, we are, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, I love today's show. And on the other side of the break, let's talk. Let's dwell into the fact that who, um, why you started the organization, who brought you up here, how you and Xavier hooked up, mm-hmm. and talking more about the Philando Castillo case and other cases that involved unarmed black men mm-hmm. on black Republican, black Democrat, Twin Cities News Talk and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Now back to more of the best of Black Republican, Black Democrat, right here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. See y'all on the about that. Black Republican, Black Democrat, I'm your host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsonar. Six five one nine eight nine five eight five five is that call in number. See, y'all don't know nothing about this song. This is Sherelle. I played this is kinda of poignant that I had Stan play this. It's actually called I Didn't Mean to Turn You On. Which brings me to my next point for our guest, mayor candidate, Ray Dean. Rep Dean. Yeah. 
we obviously have to talk about the elephant in the room. There's an elephant in the room? <laughs> Damn, how did it get in your studio? I have no idea. Actually, you know, this is white Republican, black Democrat, so, you know. Anything's possible. Uh, and so an elephant is allowed every now and then in here, okay? All uh, right, I, you know. I appreciate that. And by the way, Rep, you got the lines blowing up, okay? The lines are blowing okay. up. Okay. I can't imagine. Yes, the lines are blowing up. So, Rep, uh, as we were talking about in the monologue, um, there's a lot of controversy, especially locally, with the Justine DeMond case uh, and her unfortunate killing. Um <laughs> which led to you making a controversial statement, uh, to say the least. Um, uh, you talked about disarming or the disarmament of uh, Minneapolis police. Why such a controversial statement? Are you looking for uh, kudos, votes? Why such a controversial statement? No, I'm not. Um, you know, from the beginning of my campaign, I've talked about demilitarizing the police. Uh, and in the context of the... You know, the resignation of Chief Harto, uh, I felt it important to talk about something that, you know, some people think about, but they don't bring up. And we know that, you know, police officers have shot uh, and killed uh, a few people in the last few years in the city of Minneapolis and 2016 throughout the whole country. Uh, police officers shot and killed over a thousand people and yet no one wants to talk about, you know, the elephant in the room, which I actually think is use of force and cops using guns. Right now, you know, cops have options to carry other least lethal, uh, less lethal, um, you know, instruments along their days. And, and I've never, never advocated that, you know, all officers should not carry guns. There, there are certainly moments when officers would need to have guns uh, to protect the public. And you know, it's you know, I, I find it very, very fascinating how we're finally now having this conversation about police and guns after the death uh, of a white woman, huh? Yeah, known that you know, cops have been shooting young black men disproportionately to other people. Word. And, you know, there, there, there are methods that officers can use to address reasons uh, that they may come upon. You know, Salt Lake City is doing an amazing job around de-escalation. Uh, I believe in the past year and a half, they've de-escalated over 40 incidences that in the past there would have been extreme force use. Where, uh, where individuals may have been, you know, harmed very greatly, and not just the individuals, but possibly even the officers. So, so I, I think, you know, I mean, I, th I actually think it's wonderful that we're finally having this conversation about, you know, police, the use of force in our communities, when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate. And I know that there are people who say, well, cops don't know when things are going to go wrong. Well, then let's think about how we're training officers and how we're sending them into situations. If a cop's responding to an armed robbery call, I'm guessing they should have a gun on them. Mm -hmm. um, Representative yeah. uh, Dean, we're going to take a caller here. Don, um, you're on the line. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, Mr. Mayor or candidate. First of all, I wish you the very best. I hope you succeed in your efforts. 
But here's my question. I started working for minimum wage when it was $1.75 an hour. And uh, after about a couple of weeks, could not make ends meet. Took a second job, took a third job. And I think uh, I, I, uh, I don't have an issue one way or the other with it. I used to own a business. Now I work for a living. Uh, if we, as a state or a city or a county, pursue the fight for 15, I'm afraid there's going to be a huge, you know, especially at the lower level drain of businesses because we're not, the people that are applying for those jobs are just not competing locally. A lot of them are competing internationally with, with uh, you know, labor available in China and Malaysia, Indonesia, things like that. And there's the, there's the problem. So I guess my, my thinking is we're taking the incentive away for people to, you know, really look for a job uh, that pays them what they want. And I'm not quite sure mandating certain things from the government is a good idea for the success of the business. This day is already taxed enough already. Uh, full disclosure, I am a conservative. My wife is a uh, middle-of-the-road Democrat. So that's, how, that's where we are. We constantly have fights with each other about this. So there's my take on that. I'd like to get your response. Thanks for the call, Don. Um, no, that's definitely interesting. Um... We Obviously. Gotta, it, well, you know, you we brought up five for fifteen. We got a few more. Let's take. Uh, I, you got before you. Let's let you get your answer together. We got another caller about minimum wage. Let's take Rick real quick. Rick. Rick. Hello. How you? Ah, uh, very good. How about you? Good, thanks. Okay, I I think the government is way out of bounds on this. Uh, it's never worked. To come in and tell people how to how much to pay anyone. When I was a kid, I started work at like the other guy, like a buck and a quarter or something like that. And uh, I worked my way up. It it wasn't where I wanted to be. It irked me, and the economy was a little bit booming then, not much, but it was doing better now. And I moved on to better and better and better jobs. And I think we lost Rick. Um, Rick? Sorry. Uh, Rep Dean? Yeah. Yeah. So some of the, you know, there's a little synopsis of minimum wage. Got a few more callers for you, but we'll take a few of them on the other side of the break. But let you answer that real quick. Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, when you talk about the, the youth workforce and the individuals starting out on a job and working their ways up, um, I think that things are a little bit different in 2017 than there were back in the 60s and 70s or possibly even in the 80s. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a workforce of people that are trying to provide for their families. And, you know, now getting 9.50 an hour makes it difficult for them. And, you know, we, we, have, we have some of the largest profits being seen by corporations that we've seen in a long time. You know, clearly since the recession, we all know that most of the recovery and uh, the prosperity has gone to the top one or two percent, maybe five percent of people in the economy. Word. While none of us at the lower end have really benefited from them. And I think government does have a role. I mean Word. government in the end has a role on forty hours a week. Rip Dean, let's let, let, have weekends. Let's take one more call on minimum wage before the break here from Kevin. Okay. Kevin, thanks for calling. Yeah, 
agree with you, Jamar. I, the minimum raising the minimum wage to 15 would uh, hurt small businesses, and they're they're just going to pack up or close or cut people. No, I think Jamar's right on point with that. Um, you know, a lot of these small businesses in North Minneapolis or even on the south side um, and surrounding neighborhoods um, are owned by minorities or uh, immigrants who come to this country. And so um, it'll de- definitely be interesting to see what happens um, and how they are affected and how they choose to respond to $15 minimum wage. Let's take one more call from Lisa. Lisa, thanks for calling. Hey, Jamar. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, no problem. Thanks for calling. Uh, first of all, I'm 415 with a plan. Minneapolis is notorious for jumping on a bandwagon and doing something without a plan. I asked this for over a year to show us your research, your plan, and now I'm listening to Ray Dean say that once it's in effect, we're going to ask businesses to do something and we'll give them some incentives. Everything they do is after the fact. We should have already been doing that. Yes, it's going to affect black and brown people. Ray Dean knows that and everybody listening to you knows that. We're talking about housing costs. Ray's telling you how much housing is. Now, Ray Dean and I are friends, so he knows how I am. We're talking about the rise in housing costs. What do you think the housing costs will be for people in Minneapolis in seven years? Because you and I both know $15 an hour does not mean that's how much you take at home. See, a lot of people here, oh, I can make $15 an hour. They don't understand your taxes and everything else word. comes out of that, and you back down. Word, word. And then they're not looking at child care. A lot of people, your child care is based on your income. The child care cost is continuously rising, especially if now they're making every daycare be accredited. Lisa, you know what? Can you hold on a little? Let Ray Dean uh, answer that on the side of the break real quick um, on Twin Cities News Talk, 1130 a.m., com. Now back to more of the best of black Republican, black Democrat, right here on Twin Cities News Talk, a.m. 1130. Welcome back. Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your homeboy and your host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsundar. The uh, call-in number is 651-989-5855. That's 651-989-5855. We have representative and um, state representative and Minneapolis mayoral candidate, Raymond Dean, online. And we also have um, Lisa from Minneapolis, who is a holdover from uh, before the break. So, Lisa, um, we know that you are a former Minneapolis police officer, or police officer. Um, I'm not sure exactly where you served. Can you tell me a little Minneapolis? Minneapolis? Um, yes. How did uh, Representative Dean's comments on um, the police, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, um, from like a police officer standpoint, um, kind of how that um, translates. Well, the first thing Ray said was that he's happy that he made this statement because it's uh, he thinks it's about time we have this conversation about the police, uh, and I need to correct him. We've been having this conversation for over 30 years. Disarming the police is the most 
ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I've said this to Ray. I don't mince words, and he knows that. It is the most ridiculous thing that I have ever heard. So we, where do they keep their guns? In the trunk of the car, and then when they go in on a domestic, if that person has a gun, do they run back down to their squad cars and get their guns and then go back and engage? That's insanity. That is not a solution. Rip Dean. And, and Ray should never have even said it. Rip Dean. Well, uh, thank you for your comments earlier, Lisa. Um, I, I think when we have conversations about small businesses, what it means, I, the $15 an hour, I think that's a critical conversation. I also think that this is a critical conversation. Uh, I agree with Lisa that we've been having this conversation for the last 30-some-odd years, but it's never been elevated to this level. And, you know, Lisa knows as well as I that officers come across things at the scene that will um, take them by surprise. And under current training, most officers respond by pulling their guns. Not all. You know, not all, all officers respond in that way. And the use of force and the use of guns is something that, unfortunately creates a lot of mistrust out in the community and it makes some folks actually afraid of police. And that's something that we have to break. And, and this is one part of a larger thing that we have to do in the city of Minneapolis and our communities that struggle. I mean, if we're not addressing issues of housing, if we're not addressing issues of education, if we're not addressing uh, those types of things that people need to be employed and to have jobs, yeah, I would say that this is absurd. But all of this stuff is interconnected, and, and we can't just say, let's keep doing the thing we've been doing around policing when it hasn't been working. You know, it hasn't been working. Can, can I we respond to, to that? what that paradigm is. I'm a... can, I, can I respond to that, please? Yeah, go ahead. I'm just always curious about people who have never worn a police uniform that tells you what most cops do. I, I find that, me personally, I find that insulting. I also find it insulting that our conversations always revolve around education, jobs, the police. But we never talk about the violence in the community the, the gun that, that violence, we had another one shot in the head and killed last night right on Plymouth Avenue rating. We, we don't hear about that stuff because we believe everything that happens in Minneapolis is the police fault. And I'm, I'm just one of those people who know that there's problems in the Minneapolis Police Department. I worked there for 13 years, so I know that there's problems. I get sick of people saying that the cops aren't trained they are overly trained. Where they're lacking is communication skills and de-escalation skills. Right, but unless right. you've been in that uniform and in those encounters, you just won't understand. Now, I, I have got, got a question for both of you if you want to take maybe like two minutes to answer um, really quick. We've seen um, our counterparts, um, our off law enforcement counterparts in Europe and how they've handled the rise in terrorism. And um, a lot of times um, they haven't used deadly force um, unless it's needed. Um, Representative Dean, especially this is for you. Um, do you think then 
this maybe isn't necessarily a conversation about disarming officers and should instead be a conversation about how we train our officers or maybe training them for de-escalation instead of disarmament? Absolutely, we do that. Um, you know, many countries in Europe, cops don't carry guns. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, and, 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 you know, I mean, Lisa points out something that's really critical about this conversation as well, and that's a proliferation of guns in our society. Word, word. Uh, I've, I've been out front trying to pass legislation that makes it more difficult for individuals who shouldn't have guns to have guns. I mean, I fought for criminal background checks for someone purchasing a gun. And you know what? Can't do that. That's infringing upon their rights. Well, you know, it shouldn't be a uh, upon their rights. And, and this is what I'm talking about when I say that this larger, broader conversation that needs to take place. I mean, you know, Lisa, we know that people get shot over here in North Minneapolis. You pointed out Every day. the individual Every that was day. shot last night. And, and we know there's way too many guns. Most of the guns in the community that are here that are illegally people carrying guns, those guns started with a legal sale somewhere along the line. And you know what? When someone steals a legal gun from someone, guess what? The gun manufacturers get to sell another gun, maybe two this time. Rip I mean, this, this race to owning more guns is not making us safer. And unfortunately, I would contend that part of what's happening with our police culture over the last 34 years is it's become more personally protective of officers and not necessarily as protective of everybody in the community. Uh, uh, Lisa, check it out. Um, I've got to have you. We've got to actually have you in studio so that we could talk about you being a Minneapolis okay, police go, officer. I'll hang up and listen, but um, I'm, this is ridiculous. No, I, I think I, okay. you know. I appreciate you uh, calling in and um, um, expressing your opinion. So I appreciate that very much. Okay, let me just ask a question of Ray Dean. Absolutely. I, I want to know how what the plan is for small businesses since everybody wants to state claim that they were the first people that said, let's go to $15 an hour. Did anybody have a plan for small businesses for the rise in rent? I just want somebody to show me a plan. Jamar, I love you. Your show is awesome. You rock, baby. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. So can, can I respond to that quickly? Absolutely. Go ahead, Rip. Question for so, you. So, you know, when I when I've talked about fifteen dollars now, I'm well aware that this is going to be difficult for small businesses, and I've never said that we should wait until we implement it to help those small businesses. I mean, there's assistance we can give be giving small businesses right now for planning, looking at their business models, and all those things that are going to be critical for those businesses to continue to be successful. That's right. No, I I think that what I what I do respect is the fact that you uh, came on tonight and will uh, face the tough questions, and the fact yeah. that you're out in the community. I hope they because I know you're going to be barraged, uh with all these questions of um, disarming the police. You know that was you know uh, to a lot of us a controversial statement. So tell us real quick, Rip Dean, um, uh, where can everyone find you? Um, your websites and are you doing any appearances uh, coming up here lately? I, I know we've got some stuff going going on, but I, I don't have that in front of my uh, face right now. You know, you can visit uh, RaymondDean.com, and that's Raymond Dean spelled D-E-H-N. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's great we're having this conversation. 
Uh, I wish people would read the entirety of my statement and, and not two words and run with that because I, I think there's a lot more context that individuals just aren't uh, aren't considering when they consider the, the two words that were part of a much larger statement. Okay, absolutely. Well, I'm glad I gave you uh, a forum, Rep. Dean, to come on and uh, um, somewhat express um, what you meant in the statement uh, that you made. So I'm going to bid you good luck in your um, okay. going forward in the election. And so anytime you want to come on and uh, give us a holler, um, let me know. You're absolutely your friend of the show, so come on on. Give All us right. a holler. Appreciate you, Rep. Be Dean. happy to. Thank, thank you, Jamar, and thank you, Priya, for having me on. Thank you. Thank come you. On and stand with us. Man, Priya, <laughs> that was deep. That was keep it real that radio. That is keep it real radio at its finest. At its finest. I want. To, are, you, are you coming back next week? No, I will be at a wedding. See, I won't be here either. So we're gonna have a best of show. We're gonna have uh, one of the. Uh... Oh, great! More work for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> I want to say thank you, everybody, for listening to us this week. Priya, I'll see you a week after next. Exactly. I'll keep see you. Yep. Thank you. Black Republican, Black Democrat, Priya Sansadar, Jamar Nelson, Twin Cities News Talk, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.